This episode is brought to you by Meow Wolf. Manifest unique family memories at Meow Wolf Denver. Quantum travel is the most comfortable way for Earthers of all ages to explore a playground of imagination. And why visit just once when this immersive experience reshapes every time you enter? C Street is my favorite because C Street has this vibe of like 80s dystopian. There's like slime coming down the walls and there's weird posters. And then of course, the secret club. With the annual Portal Pass, drop by Convergence Station as much as you want for less than the cost of two adult tickets. So if you plan to go twice, it's worth it. Plus, enjoy discounts, special offers, and so much more. Get the annual Portal Pass and spend quality space time with your favorite Earthers today. Learn more at MeowWolf.com. That's MeowWolf.com. Today on CityCast Denver... Thank you all so much for being here. Delighted to have you join us for today's conversation. Mayor Mike Johnston channeled his inner CEO on Monday in announcing his administration's big goals for 2024. But this city's got a lot of serious issues to deal with. So I've got Westward Editor Patty Calhoun on with me to decode the corporate jargon. Plus, Denverites are voting right now ahead of Colorado's most confusing presidential primaries ever next Tuesday. We'll help you figure out how your vote will count. Today is Tuesday, February 27th. I'm Paul Caroli, in for Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Patty Kellen, welcome back to CityCast Denver. A pleasure to be on your Tiger team. <laughs> We're, we're all on the Tiger team today uh, because we just watched Mayor Mike Johnston's uh, official announcement of his goals for 2024 in which Tiger teams and a whole bunch of other corporate speak took center stage, in my opinion. Patty, what was your first uh, takeaway? Well, definitely that he was extremely organized and he has thought this out. We have not seen as many charts, graphs, timelines, written out vision statements and goals I mean, I don't remember ever seeing any of that from Hancock. So, And it's so clear. It's like if you paid attention to it, you know the details go all the way down. I, I believe that about Johnston. I think he has this process outlined somewhere, and it's probably a binder really, really thick. And I think he got binders from all the vibrant Denver committees he he set up before he took office. Right, the remember? transition teams. And I'm guessing some of this is working off the transition teams. There's no question he got a little postponed by having to first house 1000, mm -hmm. which was his first goal. And that was, he ran on that. So that right. was definitely a goal. But the migrant um, influx really postponed things a little bit, you can tell. But I'm guessing this is the structure he was thinking about from the start. He just had to get in and see what the different departments have and what the other challenges are to really set up his tiger teams. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's not going to sound unfamiliar to um, anyone who's worked for a really big company. I mean, we're currently at CityCast going through our goal-setting process, and it's it's kind of funny that we're on almost the exact same schedule. This is the week that we're due to to send our goals to HR and get them, like, fully finalized. So same, same as the city. Um, but let's dig into some of these goals, Patty. I mean, we got four categories here. Some of these are kind of interesting. Some of them are kind of dull. The, the first one is kind of dull vibrant Denver. Um, this goal is to expand community engagement across all 11 city council districts to create a shared vision for vibrant neighborhoods and vibrant downtown. 
What do you make of this one? It's actually the one that interests me the most. Really? Because when he was, remember when he set up House 1000, he set up meetings that he was going to go to every neighborhood, every city council right. neighborhood. So he's come very close on that. Now, those were specifically dealing with housing issues, but I'm sure he got into other issues too. So going out in the community, that was something... I think it was cabinet in the community that Hancock had mm -hmm. in the very beginning. But there's no question people want to be listened to, which was one of the three tenets we heard today that listen, what was it? Listen, dare, and uh, execute or know. something. Deliver. Yes. Listen, yeah, dare, and deliver. That sounds right. And so he wants to listen. And I think that's important. And especially when he talks about downtown. And I know I've beaten this drum before. You go out in downtown now because of the efforts with House 1000 or house 1000, you do not see many homeless people at all. You do not see tents. You know they're still here because mm -hmm. we are dealing with having to now move people from the interim housing into longer term housing. But you, there are different, there are definite changes downtown. Oh, and absolutely. he has worked hard on that. But I think the city hasn't done a great job of dealing with perception, of showing where you can go. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the goal of, that's about revitalizing downtown. I had put that down on my what's missing list of a goal for downtown. It's clearly this, but this is the strategy though, like more community engagement. That's the current best goal for downtown. Well, I would say if you can get the community to understand it's not scary downtown and you should go downtown because there's great music and there's great art and there's great theater and there's great restaurants and the odds are good, you're not going to walk past a bar set up on what was it Curtis Street for oh the God. homeless for homelessness the I mean quote, it is unquote, not homeless the homeless bar yeah that guy sued us among many 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 other people who sued you the homeless bar guy well, who's the home, the reporter? No, the no, the fellow who'd set up the homelessness bar or the homeless bar because the police confiscated his liquor, allegedly. Okay. And then anyone who wrote about it, he sued, allegedly. No but way. He hasn't really followed through in court. Well, that's not but, surprising. Yeah, but, but it was one of my favorite things that whoa, curious. we got named. It by the homeless bar. So this, the, in this story, if this is the first time someone's hearing about this, this was just a guy who set up what seemed to be a bar on the street over by by the Merck and by Woods Boss Brewing. Or on Bar Bar. So yeah. it was just up the street, but it was giant. It was a one block. That was one of those huge encampments that people were so concerned about in the summer and in the fall. And those encampments are gone yeah. because of the Johnston administration's House 1000 moves. Well, on that topic, let's move on to his next goal. And this is the one that kind of builds on House 1000. He, he, he officially announced a name change on this whole project. It's not House 1000 anymore because he did that last year. Now he's calling it all in mile high. Uh, this is under the category of affordable Denver. He wants to reach a total of 2000 people moved indoors by the end of this year. And then the second goal here is to permit, secure finance or support the development or preservation of 3000 long-term affordable housing units by the end of the year. So admirable, we're gonna see the legislature is working on affordable housing too. Mm -hmm. A couple of the items we found out is the two tiny villages right. areas are going to open within the next month. The ones on Eladi and Santa Fe. Right. And those were so delayed. You know, originally that was part of his House 1000. That was going to happen early and it hasn't happened yet. So now we're going to, I think they'll hold at least 150 people. Hmm. So those are coming. Uh, we learned that. That was important. But yeah, this is going to be a challenge because it's not enough to get people off the streets for a month. You have to figure out how to have them get on with their lives and be able to 
live in housing that they can pay for. Yeah, it's it's clearer than ever that Johnston, these micro communities for him, this is about transitional housing. Because he said this phrase uh, today that just caught me. He wants to be more aggressive moving people through these micro communities. So like, I guess to, I, I would think that would mean people are allowed to stay even less time or maybe get a little bit less access to resources or- Or more to the point, more access more. to services because you also saw- he wants people to go into programs, at right. least 200 people who want to go into addiction or recovery programs. Right. That's the next goal under safe Denver. But before we move on from this, um, the housing one, I, something I noticed here, and we'll talk about the primaries in a second, but this new name he's using all in mile high, it's almost the exact same name as the Biden administration's homelessness project. They're nationwide. They call it the All Inside Program. Oh, I hadn't seen that. What do you make of the fact that that uh, Johnston's aligning his language with Biden like that now? Well, that might be accidental. They're all in Denver has been a name that's been used before. So True. all in Mile High almost sounds like we're going to have housing in Mile High Stadium <laughs> at Empower Field. So we'll assume that is not what this means. Stranger things have happened. We um, just run out of names and he's got plenty of slogans here. He sure does. Uh, he sure does. Tiger Team. Um, it so could be Tiger Cage. I mean, we could have called it something else. <laughs> All right, let's move on. You mentioned um, his goal to move 200 people struggling with addiction or mental health out of out of the criminal justice system and into a coordinated intervention treatment and pipeline by the end of the year. Um, that's one goal under Safe Denver. The other is to reduce violent gun crime by 20% and to improve customer satisfaction, I assume from DPD? Customer satisfaction? I'm assuming it doesn't say that, but that's got to be clear because you get into customer satisfaction in another area. People yeah. are complaining about response time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's clearly what they indicate here. Customer satisfaction with do the police respond in a reasonable amount of time and is the response they take reasonable? I, I'm interested in your take on this because I, I – I just when I saw his goal of reducing violent gun crime, I was like, I don't know. We talk about crime. Like is this really a, the right – goal around this? Because like two weeks ago, DA Beth McCann and the chief of police, Ron Thomas, they wrote in the Denver Post that gun crime and violent crime is on is trending down right 30%, now. 30%, they said last year. Yeah. So what do you make of this? How do these two things fit together? Keep reducing it. Just keep going? Right. I mean, no one likes any gun crime. And when you've got shots fired outside two schools in Denver last week, those are the kinds of things that people do not enjoy. They don't feel secure with it. So if they can cut out some of that, there's no reason not to keep going. And they do, obviously, given the 30% cut last year, they are following their data very closely. Right. This is just, it just seems like this is something people always want their mayor to be talking about. There could always be less crime. Right. But why not make it a priority if it is one of the things you're looking at for the city? Mm -hmm. I mean, people always want to be in homes. They want nice neighborhoods. Here they want less crime. So I think prioritizing it is important because there are complaints about, we just wrote the story about the 1400 block of Ogden where the complaints are up so high. We just wrote about a break-in at a head shop where police didn't respond for 20 minutes so the thieves came back. So those kinds of response times, 
they should be monitored. Hmm. It's interesting, though, that he's focusing on crime, though, instead of like the downtown goal is so much about community engagement. Why not make a goal of like lack of vacancy rates at the office buildings downtown? You know, wouldn't that get at some of the same issues that people are talking about when they talk about safety? and? and well, crime? he kind of came up with some of that when he was talking about turning commercial buildings downtown into housing. Mm -hmm. It was just a footnote in one of the Tiger Team categories. Mm. Um, all right, let's talk about the last category here. This is the great government category. So he has two goals here. He wants to re-envision the development permitting process, which I know that you're keen on, um, and reduce city review time by 30% this year. And then he also wants to re reduce response time to our the top three constituent concerns by 20%. Uh, 911 calls, maybe? I, that's what I thought there. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, I would say 911, I think, would fall under the police response and the satisfaction mm. there. I'm thinking 311 calls when you have the abandoned car parked in front of you when your trash isn't picked up. That. Right. Mm -hmm. Now we'll find out. He didn't mention what the three top complaint areas were, but I would guess it's trash. I would guess it's tr maybe condition of the roads, but we'll find out. Potholes and such. Potholes, but you know, abandoned cars. I know people have talked about that. So, and response times on 311. People have been complaining about that. What about the development permitting process? Why is that such a problem? Well, because from all reports, it's been unbelievably slow. Now, it has improved, interestingly, when there hasn't been a head of planning. And he did announce that there will be a new planning head announced this week. Mm -hmm. So that's important who that person is. But anyone who's trying to build, anyone who's trying to expand their home or do permitting in their home, they have complained that it is really, really difficult to deal with the city on it. Now, I have to say, I've never heard anyone say it's easy in <laughs> 20, 30, 40 years, but the complaints definitely ramped up during COVID. Interesting. So you're saying maybe there's just like, it's not a process that can be easy. Like the, there's a, a lot of the reasons why it's difficult or maybe good reasons that if we talked about them individually, we would like. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say, it's just possible it has always gotten tangled in bureaucratic red tape mm. that could be snipped with the right person and the right ideas. Could be. We don't know yet. No one's had that magic formula, but I would love to see the person come in with something so that if someone wants to put an ADU unit in the back of their house, they can do it hmm. without right. waiting two years. Um, one last topic before we go to a break here, and nowhere in his formal goals was mentioned the newcomer crisis, these folks who've been coming from Central and South America, mostly Venezuela. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he announced budget cuts to the DMV and Parks and Recreation, which we've been talking about ever since, uh, and that was to free up money to provide more support. It sounded to me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but it sounded to me like he was maybe starting to think about moving more money from the other side of things, like trying to reduce the amount of support offered to newcomers and maybe um, like managing costs by limiting times of stay in shelters. It did sound like that. I mean, it, he, uh, he obviously knew he was going to get questions about it. It's just that he, from the beginning, said, I'm, these are our other goals. But he was talking about time of stay, number of people coming, and he also talked about cutting costs, definitely for services. So I think we're going to be looking at ways that Denver can 
not commit $180 million? Because he also addressed that, that they're still looking at budget cuts that would go towards the migrant services. Yeah. So it's like, are they going to keep cutting the, the budgets from the city departments from providing the kind of services that we've come to expect year over year? Or are they going to start cutting the support that is being offered to these newcomers? I think both. They're looking at everything and hoping that the feds pull through with something. Jared Polis was just in D.C. and migrants issues and support came, issues came up. It's going to depend a lot on what Democrats want to do with the election coming and figuring out how people are how things are going to fall. Because in Denver right now, I've seen a lot more hostility to helping migrants really? than you got in the beginning. In the beginning, people were very, very eager to help, I think. And it was interesting how they differentiated between people experiencing homelessness and migrants. Now you have the migrant switch. People are mad. And we're now we're calling them newcomers. And clearly Johnston is going to figure out ways that residents who are already here do not feel the pain of the cuts so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's something for him to balance. Um, but you mentioned the election. That's that's our next topic, but uh, we're going to get into it after a quick break. Uh, we have set up what we call Tiger Teams to help take on each of these citywide goals. The origin of the Tiger Team was from the Apollo 13 mission. If you remember uh, when Apollo 13 set into orbit, they had an explosion that disabled the landing gear, and so there was no way to know how they were going to land that uh, mission successfully. That required people from across all agencies and departments at NASA to work together in a coordinated way with real urgency to figure out how they were going to plan to solve that very critical problem. That has now led to a term in the literature called Tiger Teams we use here, which is to say any one of these issues to be solved cannot be solved by one department alone. All right, we're back. Uh, next topic, we got a big presidential primary here in about a week, or maybe not so big, depending on who you ask. Um, people probably already have their ballots. Mine's currently sitting on my kitchen counter. Too late to mail. Too late to mail. Good good to know. Um, Patty, what are people looking at with these ballots right now? Well, the, one, the big look is in D.C. When is the Supreme Court going to come through with its decision on the Colorado Supreme Court's uh, ban of... Donald Trump from the ballot. He's on the ballot mm -hmm. because that decision hasn't come through yet and the appeal had gone to the Supreme Court. We're all guessing that no matter what, probably the Supreme Court will say it's okay for him to be on the ballot, in which case any votes for him will count. If the Supreme Court says it's not okay, then votes for Trump won't count. But we don't know if that decision will even come before people are turning in their votes. Which makes this such an interesting election to watch and see what the results will mean. Because, you know, he doesn't have a lot of challengers. There's a lot of names on there, but most of those folks have dropped out. Um, the big exception being Nikki Haley, who I just read this morning, is going to be in, in Colorado. Today. today, Tuesday. She's in Centennial. I guess this is her big focus. You know, Colorado is a Super Tuesday state now, so there's a lot of states doing their primary next Tuesday. And I guess she's coming to Colorado. She thinks this is where the, she has the best chance what are you going to be looking at in the in the results? Well, that's going to be the fun one to watch. Will Nikki Haley move the dial here from her 40%? I think so. Trump has never been very popular with Republicans in Colorado. He hasn't been a winner here. She might get some good stats, even if Trump can stay on the ballot here. So that's fun from the Republican standpoint. And of course, just nationally, people looking at Colorado, the cranky libertarian state that dared to defy Donald Trump and 
tried to boot him from the ballot. So that's an interesting narrative. And then Colorado also has the really interesting non-committed delegate issue, which I know fascinates you. Uh, it sure does. Let's talk about that. That's the Democrat side. Um, so you got two ballots. You're only supposed to vote one of them. Don't send back both. Just vote one and send that back. That, that'll probably count depending on who you vote for, as we've discussed. But yeah, the Democrat side, Joe Biden, president, he's expected to win. Um, but the state Democratic Party did something really interesting this year. That's this non-committed delegate thing that you mentioned. I, I was talking to folks over the weekend, people in my life, people are excited about this. People are voting this way, but it's not always clear what exactly they mean by it. So what do you think that means to people, non-committed delegate right now? I think non-committed to people means none of the above. We're peeved at these two parties. This gives us an option to say, we don't like our choices. We don't like our choices with Trump. We don't like our choices with Biden. But particularly in the Democratic Party, where you've got the incumbent, you have some other names, but no one knows the other names. Mm -hmm. And that you can actually say, no, I'm, I'm not committing to anyone on this but I'm committing to the Democratic Party is really what it looks like. And I was talking to you about David Skaggs, who was in Congress for 12 years, who just wrote an op-ed for the Denver Post saying he this is what he's voting for, the non-committed delegate, because he just doesn't feel that Biden should be elected again, that that's not the right person, but he wants a Democrat. Yeah, here's, here's a quote from the end of his op-ed in the Post last week. If President Biden is the Democratic nominee, I will proudly vote for him. Regretfully, I do not think he should be our nominee. He should face the political realities. He should step aside, as Lyndon Johnson did in March 1968, and open the race to the several worthy Democrats who would then run. In that way, he can preserve the splendid legacy he has earned and avoid the embarrassment he doesn't deserve. Right, which is pretty strong. But we don't see when the other people he's referring to, not by name, as good candidates, I don't really see them on this ballot either. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's um, going for non-committed. I guess he's going for non-committed, although I don't know what people mean by this. It's something a little bit frustrating, actually, to me, that the Democrats did this. Here's what the chair of the state party said in explaining this decision to put this option on the ballot. He said, Shad Murib is his name. He said, we put a non-committed option on the ballot because Dems are the party of freedom and choice, unlike Republicans who are trying to rig the system for Trump. Non-committed doesn't necessarily mean none of the above or a protest vote. We shouldn't assign meaning to anyone's vote. How do you just like, what does that mean? How, you're the, you're the state party chair. You're telling people like, here's an option. I'm not going to tell you what it means. Isn't it your job to explain like what you're putting on the ballot? Not, I'm, I find this so frustrating. Well, I find it really interesting when you compare it to the Colorado, the Colorado Republicans, where Dave Williams wanted to basically already tie everyone up for Trump, whether or not he can legally be on the Colorado ballot before people could vote in the primary. So yeah. instead, you have a lot more freedom in the Democratic Party, even if no one quite knows what it means, <laughs> or the Republican Party, where you have no freedom. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, to be specific, uh, Nine News did lay out the process in a very helpful article. We'll link to this in our show notes, but I'll read here the important part. They explained, for the Democrats, if any candidate, including non-committed delegate, received 15% support statewide or 15% support in any of the state's eight congressional districts, the party will send a delegate or delegate to the national convention to cast a vote for literally no one, at least in the first round of voting. If the national convention requires multiple rounds of voting, that non-committed delegate will be allowed to choose whomever they want. 
So that's that's how this works. That's what this actually means. Right. And let's confuse things more. Remember, this <laughs> is just the presidential primary yeah. on March 5th. This is not the state primary. That comes up in June, where you also can vote in, if you're unaffiliated, you can vote in Choose Your Party and vote one of those. So we're going to have a lot more fights coming up because Colorado Republicans, as we know, don't like unaffiliated voters to be able to vote in either one because they think they're rigging the system. But I think Coloradans should be allowed to have a say in who are the big candidates in November. And if you're unaffiliated, the only way you can do that right now with the way these parties work is to be able to vote in a primary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Patty, we will be watching these elections. I'm sure we'll talk to you again about them. Um, normally- I'm on your Tiger team. <laughs> normally, we'll do, uh, we do uh, listener comments and questions at the end of the Tuesday show, but Bree's going to be back tomorrow. We're going to do it then instead. Patty, this was awesome. Thanks so much for talking to me today. My pleasure. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a non-committed delegate about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Wristwatch. Iris wristwatch. Iris. Irish. Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. That's a tough one.